0: Money laundering shocker.
1: The amount of money being laundered in BC is more than anyone predicted.
0: New revelations about the impact on housing and recommendations to fix it. Focusing
2: on the worst speeders. We'll see if this time around if it actually works as a deterrent. Leaked audio gives a clue about the plans for those speed cameras
0: and the enduring mystery of brother 12
3: the believers and the the, the seekers just came in in groves
0: the bc cult he founded before disappearing with a fortune in gold
4: you're watching global bc
2: this is global news hour at 6 Good evening and thanks for joining us. Some shocking new numbers released today in the final report on the extent of money laundering in our province.
0: The final installment of the German report indicates criminals laundered $7.4 billion in B.C. last year alone. Much more than previously thought. Drill down a little further and you find $5 billion of that was just in real estate, causing at least a 5% spike in prices province-wide potentially even higher in Metro Vancouver. Jean-Hua has the staggering details and where the finger of blame is being pointed.
5: Criminals parked billions in dirty cash into our real estate, while British Columbians saw the price of owning a home soar out of their reach.
1: Our housing market should provide shelter for families, not illegal proceeds of crime.
5: But two new reports on money laundering in real estate found B.C. Properties... Were used as piggy banks for five billion dollars in dirty money just last year.
6: Stark evidence of the consequences of an absence of oversight, the weakness of data collection, and the total indifference of governments until now.
5: That drove the price of housing in this province up an average five percent on a half million dollar home. That's twenty five grand. It's
7: unbelievable. I don't know how they
8: how the people manage to live.
5: In hotter markets like Metro Vancouver, that percentage much higher.
7: Why do you think they're buying them? They
5: can store their money. Cleaning cash using condos apparently so simple a struggling student can do it.
6: A student uh, that had a registered address at a rented office that's outside BC who bought 15 properties in the same condo building for almost 30 million dollars.
5: Over two decades tens of thousands of land titles were registered to similar straw buyers people used to hide the identity of whoever was really holding the criminal cash.
6: It's very clear that British Columbia used to be a place where uh, the government said, come buy real estate, we're not going to ask a lot of questions.
5: Trusts, unregulated lenders and lawyers, all leading to a serious lack of transparency, making our real estate ripe for wrongdoing.
3: You could have dirty money overseas and then is wired, an ETF arrives at a lawyer's trust account in Vancouver, uh, and it's dots and dashes. It's electronic uh, at that point.
5: While some of the blame was thrown at Ottawa and the previous B.C. government, beyond these shocking numbers, the reports were still non-fault finding.
3: I think they should go after these people and crack down on them.
5: So British Columbians now have proof the housing market was perverted by the proceeds of crime. What's lacking is punishment. For those who killed their dream of purchasing a home. John Hua, Global News.
2: So the amount of money being laundered in B.C. is more than anyone predicted. And the question now is, what do you do about it? How do you close the loopholes? Richard Zussman has more on the recommendations and how the province is responding.
9: The problems around money laundering are now clear. The challenge for government, how do you fix it? This report laying out a pathway. The big recommendation, proposed rules still working their way through the legislature that will require proof of who owns and is buying a home.
1: That will uh, take away the ability for uh, corporations, for trusts, for partners to hide behind secrecy.
9: But there's more to be done.
10: I think also getting better data and actually having a financial intelligence unit based in BC that actually has got access to data that's shareable and that's searchable
9: so that you can start looking for patterns and systems. Some of the challenges are outside of BC's hands. $47 billion, according to investigators, laundered throughout Canada last year. And criminals don't respect provincial boundaries.
1: We know that if we address uh, closing loopholes that Criminals may use loopholes in other places.
9: Governments aren't just to blame. Lawyers being described as a, quote, black hole of real estate with no visibility to enforcement of when money enters and leaves a lawyer's account.
6: Uh, One of the concerns that I certainly have is even if lawyers are reporting to FinTrack, what happens to that information after it gets there?
9: The B.C. Law Society says if it learns of B.C. lawyers breaching rules, it will investigate. Fingers also pointed at the real estate industry itself. BC's Real Estate Association responding with calls for a ban on cash in home purchases and improved training for realtors. We have long advocated for
1: anti-money
7: laundering training, compulsory anti-money laundering training that would give realtors on the ground the tools to be able to identify when a transaction isn't quite
9: right. Many ideas now on the table, with a thirst from the public to see those changes actually put in place. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: All right, let's bring Keith Baldry in right now. Keith, this is a story Global News has been on since the very beginning, and Mm -hmm. the calls for a public inquiry have only grown louder Uh, Since we began the coverage, still no call on whether there will be one. What are the pros and cons of having one at this case?
11: yeah we're getting closer to that moment, Chris so it's interesting. Peter German himself does include on page thirty one of his volumeless report here, and I urge people to read this it's quite staggering, uh, but he does have a long paragraph addressing what he calls media calls for a public inquiry in terms of uh, how it could work and the pros and cons of it so first of all, uh, one of the big pros for it is, is it can be a fault finding exercise it can find fault, however, it cannot lay criminal charges so a lot of people looking for you know someone to get hung here is that's not going to happen from a public inquiry and German asked the question, can it do better than his reports when it comes to raising public awareness or making recommendations? Uh, Suggests to me, he may not think it's the route to go. And he says, whatever, if it is called, it needs to find a balance between being over and under inclusive various issues. Once again, David Eby, the Attorney General, asked in the legislature today for the umpteenth time, this time by Green Party leader Andrew Weaver, what about a public inquiry? Interesting here, Eby now defines a public inquiry along narrower lines than just looking at information. It's a fingerprint Point in exercise. Here's the attorney.
6: The knows, uh, and I've outlined for him and for uh, the legislature, our government's approach on this, which has been to identify what's happening right now and move as quickly as we can to stop it. Uh, we've had some success in the casino sector, stopping the bulk cash transactions. Uh, we will have success in the luxury car sector addressing the issues that have been raised here. Uh, the issue around uh, public inquiry is really more aimed at who knew what, when, uh, and uh, are there any issues uh, related to corruption? People want to know the answers to those questions. Um, I understand why people want to know that. I mean, this went on for a long time. This is a decision that is in front of Cabinet, and I will have, uh, and uh, Cabinet will have a decision. Uh, Government will have a decision for British Columbians very shortly.
11: So who knew what when from uh, David Eby's characterization? I think now the pendulum is swinging very much so very clearly now towards a public inquiry being held, maybe along narrowly defined terms. Uh, Whether it's going to be an effective one remains to be seen. But I think uh, the momentum seems to be shifting now uh, to having a public inquiry called probably before the end of the month. All right, Keith, thanks very much.
0: Now to breaking details about a rescue involving a whale-watching boat full of tourists out of Victoria. The ship began taking on water off Whidbey Island. Catherine Urquhart is live in our newsroom with more on the company involved and the rescue effort. Katherine. Sophie, tonight,
8: 45 people are relieved to be back on shore after their whale-watching boat hit a rock near Smith Island, about 10 kilometers off the coast of Whidbey Island, and started taking on water. An initial distress call was made at about 12.30 this afternoon, prompting a large-scale rescue effort. Here's a look. Several agencies were involved in the rescue, including the U.S. Coast Guard, Canadian Coast Guard, and Washington's Fish and Wildlife Police. A helicopter crew from Port Angeles was mobilized, and a number of nearby civilian and commercial vessels raced to the scene, all offering assistance with getting everyone off the 60-foot catamaran, which is named Forever Wild. The rescued whale watchers were then taken back to Victoria.
7: We were sitting on the front of the boat, actually, and I sort of saw some something underneath the water, and then all of a sudden, bam, and we went forward. But nobody was hurt. It was They did an amazing job. After that, they quickly got life jackets on us and took us as far in as they could into shallow water, and then rescue boats started showing up and good samaritan boats started showing up
12: no no one was fearful no one was hurt no one was uh, afraid so it was people were confident in in, in the crew we assessed
6: all the passengers were in good shape Uh, several boats were dispatched both u.s coast guard and canadian coast guard uh, including some boats of our own that went out to pick up passengers and bring them back Um, we're happy to report that the last of the passengers are just being accounted for right behind me right now. Uh, Full refunds as well. And uh, for most parts, uh, people are in really good spirits.
8: The whale watching company has hired a salvager to bring the catamaran back to harbour. Damage to be assessed in the coming days.
0: All right, glad to see everyone is safe. Thanks, Catherine.
2: Plumes of black smoke could be seen over the Bridgeview area of Surrey this afternoon.
0: Witnesses tell Global News they heard an explosion, then saw large flames shooting from a tractor trailer. When fire crews arrived, two semi-rigs were burning, and then the flames spread to two more, along with a car. A second alarm was called, and thankfully crews were eventually able to get the fire under control. There are no injuries.
2: Some new developments tonight in connection with a violent sexual assault in Saanich. A 23-year-old daycare worker has been arrested and is now facing charges. Kylie Stanton has more on what we're learning about the accused and how his arrest sent shockwaves through the community.
13: For nearly two months, this usually quiet Saanich neighborhood has been on edge. It's crazy, it's always in the back of my mind. In the early morning hours of March 17th, a man entered one of these townhomes, brandishing a knife and proceeded to sexually assault a 22 year old woman. After an extensive investigation, Saanich police made an arrest earlier this week. 23-year-old Jesse Doit is now in custody.
8: He's been charged with sexual assault with a weapon, uh, break and enter, because he entered the townhouse, and forcible confinement.
13: Doit was not known to police. In fact, he had no criminal record, which allowed him to secure employment as a daycare worker here at the Cridge Centre for the family. Shattered shocked. You just start to scramble for words. Doit worked with the preschool program and in after-school care. He's described as well-liked, a popular colleague. There were never any concerns raised about his behavior. Are our children safe? Um, You know, have they been safe? In an effort to be transparent, the facility sent home this letter explaining the situation and informing parents and caregivers Doit would no longer be working with the children. It goes on to state, police have conducted an extensive investigation and found no links to the care of your children. Every indication is that we have no concerns about um, the safety of our children, which we you know, are, are breathing in and breathing out and, uh, and, and being grateful for that. That same sense of relief is being felt here.
11: It's unfortunate that it happened.
13: Deut will make his first court appearance on
0: Monday. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Surrey RCMP are asking for the public's help to identify a man who attacked a female driver. It happened last month at 152nd Street at 64th Avenue. RCMP say the female driver was waiting to turn left at the intersection when a dark-coloured pickup truck pulled up behind her. A man got out of the driver's side, walked up to the woman's window and punched her. The suspect is described as white, around 35 years old. Five foot nine to five foot ten inches tall, 180 to 190 pounds, with a fair complexion, short hair, blonde stubble, and sharp facial features. Police have also released this image of the suspect vehicle seen speeding away. If you witness the assault or if you can identify the suspect, you're asked to call police or Crime Stoppers.
2: The Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit of BC, or the CFSEU as it's known, says a new project to reduce gang violence on our streets is a success. Sarah McDonald has more on how the new strategy works and the results so far. Sarah.
14: Chris Sophie, thousands of people checked, hundreds of files created and dozens of arrests made and charges laid. That is the result of a 30-day initiative by the province's Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit, the Surrey RCMP, and Abbotsford Police using historical data to prevent future crime. The project, which involves strategically placing officers in hot spots for criminal activity at peak times, involved more than 2,100 people and 1,100 occupied vehicles being checked by police, ultimately resulting in 59 arrests and 45 criminal charges laid so far. Officers also seized weapons and illicit narcotics, including cocaine, fentanyl and over a kilogram of crystal meth. In at least one case, a suspect was found to be smuggling drugs inside a food delivery bag.
2: Skipped the dishes bag. Uh, That was one of the investigations that was ongoing. And so within there, there were drugs and other products. So during the traffic stop, that's where the illegal drugs were being concealed.
14: The initiative and its results also confirm and reaffirm a well-known trend in gang violence and that is that criminal activity typically spikes in the month of March in this province. Chris Sophie officials telling us today they are well aware of that correlation though still they have not determined a causation.
2: All right thank you Sarah.
0: More tonight on the province's push to catch leadfoots. The government announcing earlier this week it will be tweaking 35 red light cameras to also act as speed cameras at high crash intersections.
2: And while the government has hesitated to say exactly what speed is going to trigger a ticket, as Jordan Armstrong reports, Global News has learned the potential starting point.
4: There is plenty of reaction to the government's automated speed cameras, both positive... Perfect... This is a high crash zone right here.
12: I want to get killed
13: by an idiot who thinks speeding is cool.
4: And negative.
9: Well, it's going to be a cash grab regardless.
15: I'm not too happy about that.
4: The big secret, the speed at which the cameras activate. Officially, the government won't say. But Global News has learned the initial target will be excessive speeders, not someone going five or ten over. It appears the cameras will trigger at 30 kilometers an hour above the posted limit.
15: Then that's okay. Because a lot of times I don't want to have to speed, but I have to because I'm petrified. I'm not going to, you know, I might have an accident.
4: 30 is the number used by ICBC's president in leaked audio from a speech this week to insurance brokers. You
12: won't be able to capture people going 30 kilometers or over.
4: But then a colleague stops him. Threshold is not
12: set. Not saying it
7: would
5: be 30.
4: The public safety minister will neither confirm nor deny 30 kilometers per hour is the threshold. But he used that number while giving an example on Wednesday.
11: 10,000 vehicles a year
2: um, go through the, uh, the monitoring intersections at more than 30k
6: over the speed limit.
4: Thursday, Mike Farnworth reiterated his message that this is not the photo radar of the 90s, which used unmarked vans to issue tickets at low speeding thresholds. He says this new version will only target reckless drivers.
2: It's those people who seem to think that they can, uh, you know, blow through with impunity and drive like idiots. They're the ones who are going to, uh, who, who will end up getting a ticket.
1: Speed kills. Slow down.
4: Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
0: It falls into the, you had one job category. Australia goes back to the drawing board after a spelling error on its new $50 note. That's later.
2: And sailing through history, the unusual tall ship at dock in North Vancouver, and why the Peruvians have sailed into port. Coming up.
0: Right now, though, Vancouver's beloved koi made a triumphant return to the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Garden in downtown Vancouver this morning.
2: It's the latest and highly anticipated installment of the Koi Chronicles, a saga that began six months ago when an otter somehow got into the pond looking for some fish to eat. As Nadia Stewart reports, the story has a happy ending.
1: It is a story that traveled well beyond the walls of the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Garden. A heartwarming homecoming. I think that the whole story about the otter and then saving all the other fish and looking after them and then releasing them is just so beautiful. A story as captivating as the koi themselves, who are now back home in the garden. It all started last November when this river otter somehow got into this pond and did what river otters do, eat fish. But his delight was everyone else's dismay. Now this is the last thing we wanted to see. And despite efforts to get the otter out of the water.
4: There's still uh, no sign of the otter. Uh, uh, We feel that Elvis has left the building.
1: The public quickly divided into two camps, Team Koi or Team Otter, and the story took on a life of its own. The story has become something of an urban legend, uh, with the river otter often replaced in retelling by a sea otter, seal, raccoon, and even a groundhog. A reinforced gate should keep lurking otters out and the koi safe. Back from their temporary home at the Vancouver Aquarium are the three remaining koi, joining 10 more donated from the UBC Botanical Gardens and over 300 juvenile koi.
6: It's been a really uh, a happy ending to the
2: tragic story of when we lost the koi.
1: Nadia Global News.
2: Well, we might be enjoying this remarkable stretch of record-breaking weather, but it's sparking growing, uh, growing concern in the forests.
0: As firefighters ramp up their training for the coming season, the combination of low snowpacks, low rainfall, and high temperatures is stacking the deck against them. Not even
16: mid-May, and already many parts of Vancouver's Stanley Park are tinder dry. So dry, there have already been a couple of close calls.
2: We're also upping our monitoring of encampments. For example, in Stanley Park, campers make sure they're not setting fires, beach fires with our park ranger program, those sort of things, the obvious ones, uh, ramping up the no smoking. Uh, We have had two fires already in Stanley Park, one particularly that they feel was caused uh, through an errant cigarette butt.
16: That fire prompted a big response from crews. They were able to knock it down before it spread, but with more dry, hot weather on the way, there are more concerns about a major fire potentially destroying the park.
6: Considering it's only May, the weather's supposed to get hotter and drier, uh, this could be the sign of a very problematic outdoor fire season. In many
16: parts of B.C., there are currently drier than normal conditions. Open burning bans are already in place in the northwest, Prince George, and the Caribou. In Merritt, recruits spent their Thursday testing their physical and mental stamina with the hopes of joining firefighting crews this summer.
6: To get those 200 people trained up, we do put these boot camps on every year in Merritt. Usually three boot camps in total. So about 60 or 70 uh, firefighters kind of candidates at each at each camp. There's been houses and communities at risk I think that will play a big factor and that'll be a really fulfilling thing if if you know we do make a difference in stopping those and we're saving wildlife and forests.
16: Adding to the concern snowpacks in many parts of BC are at low levels the average sitting at about 79 percent of where it should be. While that lessens the risk of flooding it could lead to even drier conditions in the coming weeks.
0: Jill Bennett Global News. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at that long range forecast. Christy.
17: So first, let's just have a quick look at how dry it is in the interior. Using Kelowna as the example, February, March, and April, only 25.7%, uh, 25.7 millimeters of rain. That's 37% of the average, so very dry. Now, the next three months are absolutely critical. They're actually the three wettest months of the year for that region, with the potential of 120 millimeters of rain. Now, the long-range or seasonal forecast from Environment Canada is calling for near-normal conditions, 4 precipitation throughout those three months but there's moderate accuracy rates uh, for these long-range forecasts. What we do know though is is that we have a big upper level ridge and that is going to break down next week and we are expecting rain. How much and how long will it last through these next critical weeks that has yet to be seen. All right Christy, we'll check back with you in a bit thank you.
2: A little naval history to celebrate this weekend in North Vancouver. you may have spotted this Peruvian tall ship in Barard Inlet. It will be open for free tours on Friday and Saturday at the Burrard Dry Dock Pier. It's here to mark the 75th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations between Peru and Canada. The 115-meter ship has a mast height of 53 meters, almost 18 stories, and is used to train naval cadets and act as a goodwill ambassador.
0: It is quite a sight. Well, the final chapter today in a murder case that shocked the country 3 years ago.
2: Former Toronto neurosurgeon Mohammed Shamji sentenced to life with no chance of parole for 14 years for killing his wife. As Catherine McDonald reports, her family is outraged
10: Joe and Anna Frick cannot fathom how Dr. Mohamed Shamji is going to prison for life but will be eligible for parole in just 14 years for beating and choking their 40-year-old daughter to death.
12: He's a big-time manipulator, liar, and like to controlling people.
10: After time served in pretrial custody, Shamji, now 43, can apply for parole in just 11 and a half years from now.
1: There was no penalty that this court could give him that will ever justify what Mo has done to Elena to us and especially
10: to the children. It's those three children who appear to be the reason that the Crown accepted the disgraced neurosurgeon's plea to second-degree murder last month, just a week before jury selection was set to begin.
3: Uh, regardless of what your sense of right and wrong or what your sense of justice is, the focus of any uh, responsible resolution in this case should be squarely on the welfare of the children going forward
10: in his reasons for sentencing justice john mcmahon said Shamji must be given credit for sparing the couple's eldest daughter who was just 11 at the time from having to testify about what she saw on the night of november 30th 2016 when she heard banging her mother scream and then silence the children's grandmother says the eldest daughter was still forced to testify at the preliminary inquiry for an entire day
1: what father will do that to his daughter She was full anxiety for another full year that knowing she
10: will have to testify at Raya. The judge accepted Shamji's remorse saying it's the first step towards rehabilitation and reintegration into society. The family does not and hopes Elena is remembered as a victim of domestic violence who endured it for 12 years before she died. Catherine McDonald, Global News
2: in health matters tonight a new study casting some doubt on the demand for cannabis edibles when they become legal this coming october
0: the study out of dalhousie university found that only 36 percent of people say they will buy cannabis infused food products that's down from 46 percent in 2017. the researchers found many people are concerned that cannabis in edible form makes it too easy to consume too much. And they're also worried about the risk to children and pets who might accidentally eat them. A rare look tonight at one of the government facilities responsible for helping protect Canada's environment.
2: Linda Aylesworth goes behind the scenes at the North Vancouver lab that you could call CSI Conservation.
7: These are shark fins, and as you can see, they don't have their skin any longer. They're just the cartilage. The question, did they come from an endangered and therefore protected species of shark? It's the job of technicians at the Pacific Environmental Science Center's Genome Lab to find out. We do species identification for the Wildlife Enforcement Branch. Every day, samples of any number of suspicious organic substances seized by officers come here for genetic
1: identification. Every year we're getting more and more samples. The importance placed on DNA is, is growing.
7: The talent pool at this and other federal environmental science centres across the country is vast. Adam Martin's can visually identify just about any aquatic invertebrate.
11: We have to sometimes count the individual hairs on thorax in order to identify them.
7: And in so doing, determine the health of a waterway.
11: Based on the community of insects that we find, we're able to identify how uh, impacted a stream or river can be.
7: The purpose is here to support our enforcement people first, then support uh, all the, uh, the regulatory activities. Dr. Shang is a chemical engineer whose specialty is to determine, in the case of an oil spill, which vessel is responsible. There are millions of compounds in any oil spill uh, sample. Those compounds are like fingerprints. By comparing samples from an oil spill with samples from vessels, this machine... This is uh, called gas chromatography quadrupole time-of-flight mass spectroscopy. Can I.D. the culprit? On the West Coast, there's nothing like this. We are the only lab. We have a whole package of one-stop shopping. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
2: All right, we all make mistakes, but imagine your mistake being reproduced 46 million times for everyone to see. That story is coming up right after the forecast.
0: <laughs> all right, meteorologist Ike. Christy. Cranky. Yeah, exactly. Christy Gordon uh, joins us with a look at the weather forecast. We talked about how dry it is, and this is part of the reason, Christy.
17: That's right. Record-breaking temperatures today right across the south coast with likely 12. Uh, We're still getting the official numbers from Environment Canada. Here are the top four, though, that I could find. Chilliwack, 28.8 degrees, breaking a record from 1987. Squamish, 28.7. Pitt Meadows broke a record from 2015 at 27.6. And Powell River, a long stand. Record at ni- um, from 1957. Now um, there, I will likely see a number more records tomorrow. But here's a look at the uh, high temperatures. So Chilliwack and Cultus Lake hit 29 degrees at the airport, 24 degrees, and in the interior regions up to 30 degrees. In fact, Lytton was the hot spot across Canada today at 29.6 uh, degrees officially. Now uh, the UV index has been at a very high level. You may have noticed that when you're outside, you feel the sun burning you in moments. Uh, So by Saturday, we expect that to go down a little bit. Not by much, but keep that in mind. Sunscreen is still needed for the next couple of days because here's a look at your forecast for tomorrow. Not much change from what we saw today. Temperatures in the mid 20s across the north and upper 20s to 30 degrees in through the interior regions. I think we'll likely see 28, 29 degrees away from the water for Metro Vancouver again tomorrow. It's not until the week that we start to cool off a little bit and it's just a slight cooling as you can see here a little bit more comfortable for mother's day though and you may have seen this a sun halo all across the region from a thin veil of cloud and it's basically the sun reflecting off the ice crystals in that thin cloud thanks to lorna for that
2: what's it called a halo it's called it's actually called a halo
17: yeah Uh, around that that high rise
0: a halo Mm -hmm. from the high Mm -hmm. rise all right thanks christy
2: Australians and people around the world are getting a few laughs these days at the expense of their Federal Reserve Bank.
0: The country's new $50 note features Edith Cowan, the first woman elected to an Australian legislature. What appears to be a lawn behind her is actually an excerpt of her first speech to Parliament. A cool feature, except for the fact that the word responsibility is misspelled as responsibility. The bank is fixing the error, but with about 46 million notes already in circulation, at this point, it's kind of a closing the barn door thing.
2: The horses are out in the field.
0: (laughs) No getting back.
2: Is it still legal tender? It's legal tender, and yeah. And
0: collectors, except there's 46 yeah. million of yeah. them. So. How many people
2: looked at that thing before it was printed, though? I wonder what the stats are on that. What, did you did see you how mean, small really it was?
12: Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, good. <laughs> Who's going to look at it anyway? <laughs> Apparently there's no spell check at the Mint.
0: And it is your turn again.
12: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there have always been a lot of soccer players, world-class soccer players, who look to have taken a few acting courses. Physical acting, pseudo-stunt work, pantomime, if you like, all in an effort to fool the referee to giving out a foul or a penalty kick. People in the game complain about it. They say they hate it, but it never seems to go away.
11: It's very difficult to take it away from the game. Some players, it's so in their culture, especially Latin, European, uh, North American, because of the type of soccer, it's not ingrained that much.
3: That's what makes diving a much debated topic in the MLS. Many of the players come from a soccer culture where if you're not diving, you're not trying to get a call to win a game. But U.S. and Canadian players and
12: fans, for the most part, think flopping just cheats the integrity of the game. I personally, you know, as just an American, just hardcore guy, I don't I don't like diving. I don't see, you know, a need for it in the game. But that's, you know, it's there and it happens. And, you know, sometimes you can use it for your advantage, but I don't believe in that at all, no. Given
5: my experiences, I I don't like it. I don't like to see it. Um, So you hope that at some point in our game it's completely stamped out. I don't know if that will ever really happen, but certainly with fines and suspensions.
3: Mark DeSantos was born in Quebec, so he knows all about the hockey player mentality in this country. Hockey fans won't stand for diving, but when it comes to soccer, he's got an interesting theory why you may want to flip on your thoughts about
11: flopping. If we start reviewing everything, the game won't have drama anymore. The game's gonna become robotic, and and soccer is gonna slowly die, in my opinion. Always done goes down penalty. But when those
12: dives cost you games, as a player, you don't want to be undone by fake news. You know the refs are probably the only guys that can help hold these guys accountable. You know they. They can tell them right, you know, early on, if they dive once, you let them know, you give them a warning that if you're doing it again, yeah, we will discipline you for it.
5: You want a a good, honest game at the end of the day, and I think the majority of players would agree with that.
12: When the Saskatchewan Rough Riders visit BC Place this July 27th, it's going to be weird. Two big stars from the Lions' recent pass will be wearing green instead of orange. Receiver Manny Arsenault and linebacker Solomon Alamimian They are both riders. Elmimian signed today saying he liked the idea of being a rough rider before his CFL career finally ends.
5: Um, One thing that kind of impressed me, man, I think as a player, every player that plays here, they have in the back of mind what would it be like to play for Saskatchewan, you know, with the fan base and the crowd. And I was telling, you know, Jeremy about the Jets going overhead and just the atmosphere is something different than any place you've ever been.
12: Two big pieces of the Seattle Seahawks have been let go by the team with failed physical designations. Safety Cam Chancellor, who missed all of last year, with a serious neck injury. He's been released. Receiver Doug Baldwin, who suffered a number of injuries last year, needed two surgeries, one on his shoulder and one on a sports hernia, is also out. He'll likely retire, leaving the Seahawks with only three players from their Super Bowl win in 2014. Russell Wilson, K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner. After letting seven first-period goals in Game 3, the Vancouver Giants have allowed Prince Albert only two goals in the last five periods. But it hasn't mattered. They lost 1-0 last night. Now they're down 3-1 in the WHL Championship Series with Game 5 tomorrow in Langley. Giants gave it a heck of a run last night. probably should have won the game, but...
9: A breakaway,
12: for a breakaway for Brett Leeson, Leeson, Leeson turned into a goal for Prince scores. Albert. Vancouver had numerous chances Defended well by against Brede Ian Scott, good. Prince Albert's goalie. Look at this back one here. Brilliant save by Scott oh off Alex
3: Kanek-Liefert.
12: 1-0. I think Vancouver might have one more win in them. Tomorrow won. is game five. Hopefully Make they will win that game goal. and send the series back to Prince Albert. A man of few words but yeah. many suspensions. In Brad Marchand. Uh, Bruins, Canes, game one, Eastern Conference final series. Who's this? It's Stephen Comfer. Who's he? Well, he's the guy who scored first in this game. one nothing for the Bruins, but less than a minute later, Andrei Svechnikov, the guy uh, Alex Ovechkin KO'd, throws this in front. Sebastian Aho with the tip. It's now 2-1 Carolina in the second period. And the Golden State Warriors are going to be without Kevin Durant for the rest of their series with Houston. He has a calf strain. It happened in the third quarter of Game 5 last night. A calf strain is something he has had before. Good thing it wasn't an Achilles. Uh, Golden State is up 3-2 in the series, Game 6 tomorrow in Houston. There you go.
2: A lot of people thought Achilles when they saw that. I know.
12: Well, it's it scary. could still be. You never know.
2: Yeah, that's true. Thanks, well, Guar. Right, thanks, Guar. Okay. Let's check
0: in with Andrew for a look ahead to Global News at 11.
14: And Thanks, Sophie. More on that dramatic rescue of a group of whale watchers who had set off from Victoria today. Plus, a speech by the Speaker of the Legislature has caused quite the reaction among civic politicians. While addressing local government officials in Kamloops this week, Daryl Pleck has talked about a lack of political leadership in B.C. He claimed the Hells Angels, Mafia, and organized crime had better leaders several of the delegates walked brother, out of the speech we'll have more on that story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock sophie chris
0: Interesting. all right thanks Ann.
14: the fascinating story of bc's long
2: forgotten cult leader and the mystery of what happened to him after the break
0: but first here's kasha badurka with five things to do with your family kasha
15: We're honoring mom this weekend with plenty of things to do, including going to the circus. The Royal Canadian Family Circus is in town with shows going on this and next month in Richmond, Surrey, and Tuwassen. This is truly a family-focused experience showcasing jaw-dropping acts from around the world. Celebrate the start of Police Week with the Surrey RCMP. Saturday, everyone's invited to this free, family-friendly open house at the main detachment, which includes kids' police briefings, children's activities, demos by Air One, food displays, and RCMP career info. Bring mom out to the London Heritage Farm in Richmond. Besides visiting an 1890s historic site, you'll experience a Victorian-style tea room and walk amongst beautiful gardens. Picturesque for sure. And if you need to up your game in the photography department, consider the Beauty in Bloom photo walk. Learn more about birds and blossoms and practice photo techniques at the Derby Reach Regional Park Langley. That's Sunday from 10 till noon. Grammy award-winning duo Twenty One Pilots brings their Bandito tour to Rogers Arena Sunday. Known for their catchy pop alternative sound, the group has achieved breakthrough success putting out the first album in history, with every track receiving a gold certification or more. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things.
17: Coming up on ET Canada, James Cameron reacts to Avengers Endgame, beating his Titanic record. Plus, cheers to wine country, a must-see sit-down with the movie's funniest cast, and a sneak peek at tonight's Big Brother Canada season finale. All of that is coming up at 7 right after the news hour, but for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. It's good,
2: thanks very much, Cheryl. Uh, Are you guys ready? Oh we've always been ready. You might remember <laughs> you <laughs> might remember this because it was quite shocking last year a charismatic American had been accused of running a sex cult that ensnared several actresses who worked in Vancouver.
0: Smallville actress Allison Mack eventually pleading guilty for her role in the group run by self-help guru Keith Rainier. Rainier has pleaded not guilty to sex trafficking and other charges and he may soon be facing Mack and some other former members of the group in courts. But
2: it turns out BC has long been fertile ground for dark deeds. Paul Johnson has the strange story of Brother 12.
3: We're on our way to Courcy Island near Nanaimo, looking for the few things that remain of a strange movement and its mysterious leader. B.C. historian John Mitchell leads us to a stone pile on the island, what's left of a rifle pit built to defend a utopian society and its gold. He could look into your soul, know what you were missing. He was Edward Wilson, an English mystic who turned up in B.C. in the 1920s, believing he was in touch with a spirit from ancient Egypt who'd named him Brother Twelve. His writings on the occult drew followers from around the world, and a lot of their money as well. He had over 40 cases of gold in court jars. At its peak, Brother 12's followers were building a new society centered around this home south of Nanaimo, and the small farm on DeCourcy meant to weather the apocalypse he warned was near. Like many charismatic leaders who offer spiritual salvation in exchange for your loyalty and your money, things eventually unraveled for Brother 12 and his followers here in the Nanaimo area. And at the end of three years, uh, the group didn't like the fact that he took a mistress. Brother 12, it turns out, had a taste for such non-celestial pursuits like women and gold. His followers revolted. There was a court case in Nanaimo. And in a fit of rage, Brother 12 destroyed the de Courcy compound and took off. He managed to make it over to England. Well, there's a record that he died in Europe. Others think he faked his death and went on to enjoy the fortune he'd amassed. Well, some of the buildings from that time are still standing. No one has ever been able to account for Brother 12's massive stash of gold. Others say that he, he was seen in, in San Francisco, but qu- with that kind of money, it's easy to disappear. In Nanaimo, Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: The history of BC.
12: Yeah, Did he spend all that gold? I wonder. Brother 12 sounds like a Seahawks fan. <laughs> does, That's true. So we yes. fit right in here. It's one of the
17: twelves. That's right. All right. Final word on the weather, Christy. Sure. It just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. Well, if you like the heat, that is another hot one tomorrow. Finally, a little bit more comfortable over the weekend, but no rain until Wednesday. It looks like.
2: All right. I'll be off at an event tomorrow to raise money for Turning Point, uh, which is an addictions recovery facility. Rob Lowe is going to be speaking there.
0: You'll There's tell him I love him, right? I will. <laughs> love night. you, Rob. <laughs> low drop low.